The Cannabis Heals Me Podcast, Episode 14. You're listening to the Cannabis Heals Me Podcast, where we explore the real stories of real people who have discovered the profound healing properties of the cannabis plant in their own lives. Find more at CannabisHealsMe.com. Cannabis Heals Me podcast is brought to you by The Grow CFO. For all your cannabis accounting and tax needs, find out more information at www.thegrowcfo.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. As always, I am your host, Rachel Kennerly, and we are broadcasting once again from the Storybook Inn Studios. I hope y'all are enjoying the conversations that we've been having over the past couple of months. I know that I have found them very enlightening, very inspiring, and, you know, I'm still just, and I know I say this all the time, I'm sorry, but I don't know how else to say it. I'm blown away by the people I get the opportunity to speak to and the stories that they tell me and the healing properties of this plant that for so many years I thought was nothing more than a way to get high. If you are enjoying the stories, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at podcast at cannabisheelsme.com. You can also reach out to me on social media. We're found on Facebook at facebook.com slash mjheelsme. Unfortunately, the word cannabis was still blacklisted when I set up our Facebook page. So it's MJ for Mary Jane or marijuana. So mjheelsme. We can be found over at Instagram as well www.instagram.com slash Cannabis Heals Me. We've got another great guest lined up for you today. We are joined today by Trey Tejerina. He is a medical cannabis user. He suffers from ulcerative colitis, and he's going to discuss kind of his challenges that he's faced with that illness, and then also the continued challenge that he has in finding medicine or cannabis to treat his condition. Like me, Trey lives in the state of Texas, and unfortunately in our state, cannabis is not legal medically or recreationally. In fact, the only form of cannabis that you can use right now under the Compassionate Use Act is hemp-derived CBD oil, which has little or no THC. And the only qualifying condition in order to get that is intractable epilepsy. So Trey faces an uphill battle in trying to get the cannabis that he needs to treat his condition because of the illegal status of cannabis in the state of Texas. Trey also recently founded an organization called the Texas Cannabis Business Alliance. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about that and what the organization hopes to accomplish here in the Lone Star State. Trey, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rachel. I'm glad to be here. Well, since the name of the podcast is Cannabis Heals Me, I think the first order of business is to find out your your history with, with medical cannabis and how you've used the plant in your life. Perfect. So I have a quite a history with, with, with cannabis. Medicinally speaking, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, uh, I believe it was 2010. And before that, I had definitely consumed cannabis throughout high school and, and had many different reasons for doing so, but it wasn't until I was diagnosed with something very severe as ulcerative colitis disease that that the that the power of cannabis actually was was very evident to me. As 
as I was consuming cannabis traditionally, what, you know, rolling it up in, in a joint and smoking it, uh, it wasn't until I think right around the time where Colorado had recreationally legalized, where I'd gotten more information about the different types of methods and consumption styles and administration methods to consume cannabis and how they differ and how uh, they can target different parts of the bodies. And just so much innovation was happening behind the space. I had followed it closely because it's something that, uh, that I was passionate about. And so through this whole journey of, of exploring what cannabis and why cannabis does what it does to my body in terms of healing it and in terms of alleviating the symptoms, I, I found this whole big community, you know, not just in my career, but in, in, in life in general of people who genuinely want to stop the suffering. And I think that that's what was really attractive uh, in the cannabis industry to me, but it also for the plant, you know, it, a lot of these other substances that, that's, um, that I, that I feel that a lot of us have associated with ourselves with other drugs or alcohol or, you know, even caffeine is a drug. Um, I, I feel that they're just really speaking to the symptoms. And it wasn't until I dove into the research and the science that cannabis actually solves the problems and it, and it's all because of the endocannabinoid system. But, but yeah, I mean, that's just a little bit about my, my, my story with, with, uh, with the medicine and the ulcerative colitis disease that I have is, is very much, uh, I I'm, I'm able to put it in remission whenever I need to, whenever I, whenever I'm in a flare up, the way that I'm able to do that is I take what's called whole plant cannabis extract oil, and uh, it's commonly referred to as Rick Simpson oil. And the difference with this oil is that they take the whole plant, hence the name, mm -hmm. and they use an alcohol extraction-based method. They pull off all the goodness from the plants, and then it really in its end product, a really raw and crude oil that you eat. And it's very potent, very, um, very high in all these different cannabinoids, and uh, very high in terpene profiles as well, but it is as raw as medicine can get in terms of, of cannabis delivery. So, um, so yeah. Was cannabis, as someone who had consumed cannabis recreationally as a, as a young man, was cannabis your first choice when you were diagnosed with your condition? No, actually, that's a good question. Uh, I think because still of the stigma and of the whole, you know, campaign, no, just say no to drugs, you know, during school time, it was much easier to trust and to be inclined to trust the doctors and to trust that they knew exactly how to get me out of what I was going through. But it wasn't until trial and error over a six year period of being in and out of the hospital on traditional medication versus not going to the hospital, but using the non-traditional medication, which is cannabis. So it was a lot of trial and error, but you know, to answer your question, I wasn't inclined to go to the cannabis because there wasn't a there wasn't the research at my disposal that that it can work and why it can work and b because there was still some of that brainwashing if you will that was the residue that was left with me that that kind of took me away from you know the power of cannabis. Okay, so so really to begin with over the first several years you just went with your doctor's recommendation and used to went the traditional medication route. Mm -hmm, that's very right. Yes. So what, what made you start considering cannabis as an alternative to traditional medication? Truthfully, I was arrested in 2013 and I got put on probation. I violated the law and got put on probation. And so the probation in Texas disallowed me from consuming, obviously, because I had to pass drug tests and whatnot. So 
I could have definitely risked it, which a lot of people do risk on probation, their, their cannabis consumption, but I didn't. I, I valued my freedom. So I stayed away from it. But in that, but in that time that I was away from, from consuming cannabis, I was in the hospital um, periodically and the debt was piling up. The, the negative symptoms were adding on and I was just getting drained. And I'm actually really now thinking back on it, I'm really thankful that that being on probation and being in that whole, you know, criminal justice system didn't deter me from continuing to explore the plant as I got off probation. So was it during this probationary period when you weren't able to consume cannabis that you realized, okay, maybe this is something my body actually needs? Yeah, it's kind of. It wasn't that I was consuming so much while I got diagnosed that there was a notable difference whenever I got put on probation. It was more or less, these things aren't working. And I remember back to a time where I was consuming cannabis and I wasn't in so much either pain or discomfort or um, just anything of the sort. So yeah, I did make the connection, but it wasn't very obvious to me, I should say. I suppose you're probably more mindful in the way that you consume cannabis now that you know that it has an effect on your body. You know, I am because I share these stories with a lot of people that have the same disease that I have that also choose cannabis for their healing mechanism. And it's, it's funny, we share our stories, but some of them are similar in the case that how we smoke cannabis can be counterproductive to actually healing ourselves. Because uh, I know that a popular, one of the popular ways to consume is, is rolling it up maybe in a blunt, uh, which has tobacco products in it or a joint and, and smoking it. And although it, it's a very quick delivery apparatus, unfortunately, it doesn't get to the heart of our specific symptoms. And so that's why eating edibles or eating the raw crude cannabis oil that I do is the absolute best and most efficient way to heal uh, with cannabis for my, for, for obviously my disease. How did you kind of, was it just research that's now available that wasn't available at the time? You know, you kind of did the research and that's how you figured out, okay, this is the the consumption method that I need to take, the approach I need to take to, to help my condition. Yeah, good question. Funny enough, I was really ballsy and I just decided to make the make the investment to fly out to Oregon. I, I have some friends out in Oregon. And uh, that that allowed me to stay out there. And I kind of just went to the dispensary scene and asked questions. And I got to, I forgot what the dispensary was called, but it's in Eugene, Oregon. And this woman was talking to me and she shared with me her her healing story. And at the time I was consuming so much cannabis that I had this huge tolerance. And that's another thing, you know, if if you're using cannabis for medicine is smoking is so inefficient because you, you build a tolerance after a while. And it starts to hurt your throat when you consume and it's you know, very time consuming and you stink and all these other things. She shared with me this, this healing story of hers about this product that I had never heard of and the, the way that they manufactured the product I had never heard of as well. And so she gave me the contact info and next thing I know, I'm visiting the site and it's, it's actually, now he's my friend, but I have a friend in Oregon who, who, ha- who owns an extraction company and has a manufacturing license. And he is the one who was able to help me with the crude oil because he makes it for dispensaries out there in, in Oregon. Okay. Yeah. So one, one little rabbit hole of information led to, you know, another contact that led to another contact that ultimately led to enlightenment. <laughs> okay. I think that's the the biggest hurdle that a lot of people face when they have a health issue. It's like, well, 
how, how do I figure out what I need and how I need to consume it? Unfortunately, it's not that we can go to a doctor and have this overall prescription style that generally works across the board because we're working with something that works internally with inside of, of us. It's very hard to just prescribe something that works for, you know, generally everybody. And so it is a very much trial and error type of type of healing process. With your the Rick Simpson oil that you use, does it matter what strain of cannabis is used in the Rick Simpson's oil, or is it just anything that's like got a, a whole plant? Well, for me in particular, I do know that for it to be deemed as Rick Simpson oil, it's got to be the whole plant style. For whatever strain, I think typically they they stick to the indica. Um, I know that's not a strain, but um, just any indica-based or dominant indica uh, strains is what they generally stick with because they induce more sleep and sleeping is you know some of the best healing that our body that our bodies can do for us so no not any specific strain but for me in particular yeah it's it's got to be the indica because we sleep a lot whenever we're whenever we're healing and so yeah i want to back up just a little bit and ask you what was your life like when you were just on pharmaceutical drugs for your condition i mean were we talking a lot of hospital visits and stuff like that yeah this is you know we'll get into the to the really depressive matter of it and and i know when people get because i've been there i know when people get diagnosed with things there's this type of process that in that in that that's involved and for me a lot of the process was i was stuck on denial i was in denial that i just couldn't get a hold of of my body i couldn't and it and it led to a lot of you know mental struggles as well I very much was in the hospital constantly having to do colonoscopies and having to get blood drawn. And uh, whenever I would go to the hospitals, when I'd come out, I think the the most that I would have to take was about 30 something pills, 31 or 32 different pills. And wow. um, yeah, it was ridiculous. I'd lose, you know, 30 to, I'd lose 30 to 40 pounds in the hospital only to gain 30 to 40 pounds on all these different medications and gosh, it was tiring and it was exhausting and stressful and depressing. I mean, all of those things. Another thing is, and and I don't want to steer away too far from the point, but another thing is, is traditional medicine and traditional doctors, they told me that this, along with telling me it was incurable, it was, there was just nothing that they could do about it. It was just bad luck. But through my journey with cannabis and through my healing journey with cannabis, I've, I've found that to be not true. And, and I'm very excited for the future and what, what cannabis science is going to teach us and tell us. But in my best opinion, I think that the endocannabinoid system that we have uh, is, is, it's this receptor system throughout our whole body. And it works with the hypothalamus in our, in our brain, this little peanut size mechanism in our brain. It works with the hypothalamus to, mm-hmm. to achieve homeostasis. It regulates our body. And if we don't supplement that, that, cr- that critical endocannabinoid system, it'll be what's called deficient. And what a lot of science is suggesting is endocannabinoid deficiency, the endocannabinoid system deficiency could actually be the answer to this autoimmune disease question that, that, that Western medicine and traditional medicine as we know it has. So it was really enlightening to me to, to hear all of that information and promising because it, it's not like 
It's not like I had to go around with this depressive attitude like I'm dysfunctional or I'm damaged goods. I'm actually just sufficient, yeah. you know, and, and there's a solution to this and it makes sense. So are you currently using any prescription drugs for your condition? No, uh, I haven't used prescription drugs uh, in years. Now, Trey, in addition to being a medical cannabis user, you also have formed a an organization called the Texas Cannabis Business Alliance. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because, you know, right now cannabis is not legal in the state of Texas. So, so just tell us a little more about your organization and what y'all hope to accomplish with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know that sometimes to the entry level individual, especially, you know, when it comes to the cannabis industry, I know it can seem a little crazy that somebody like myself would be putting together this business alliance, you know, expecting this, you know, surplus or flood of businesses to be in the industry, uh, or at least in the Texas market. It kind of seems far fetched to some, but in, in actuality, the more time that elapses and the more that people get more comfortable with the, the, the different variations of cannabis like hemp and marijuana and the difference between the two and the opportunities that we have with hemp in Texas, I think that more businesses, actually I know that more businesses are emerging, um, it seems like weekly to kind of service the industry as it, as it starts to blossom. So in a nutshell, I put together Texas Cannabis Business Alliance from a couple of other endeavors that I had prior to this. And it just made sense for me to be able to service these businesses that are in the market. We were going to, we wanted to, we were aiming to service them so that we could assist them in getting them or helping them accomplish their business goals through the resources that we have been accumulating that uh, while the time we've been in the industry, businesses, when they are emerging or when they're coming into an industry new, such as the cannabis industry, a lot of things change very quickly and a lot of things are very fast paced. And it's very good to know somebody that can that can help you navigate the very uh, the very hurdles that sometimes cripple businesses in this industry. And so that's kind of a little portion of what we do is in terms of how we service businesses within the, within the alliance. We also plan to offer some sort of referral model within the Alliance for participating businesses. We also throw events and in throwing events, we are aiming to educate individuals that are either cannabis curious investors, whether they are industry job seekers, or if they are aspiring entrepreneurs and or business owners currently, we are targeting them specifically and throwing events to uh, bring in industry professionals, thought leaders, and individuals that have had the experience within the industry that they can share with these aspiring Texans so that Texans can not only come together and form a better Texas cannabis industry, but they can also make better informed decisions while trying to pave the road going forward. And so that's you know really where the opportunity lies is the education piece, and that's what we're trying to accomplish through the events as well. Um, and also, I guess, kind of for the third for the third piece of this of the three legs of this business, we also want to assist in individuals getting into the industry in the sense of jobs. So hopefully down the road, we can work with one of these employment services, if you will, to help some Texans get not only qualified for jobs through education and training and stuff, stuff like that, skill set training, but also be able to match them up with a compatible business so that they can 
they can forge their cannabis career going forward. And it, it can also be a little more, it can make more sense for both parties, you see, you know, because businesses also have a difficult time, not only hiring people, but yeah. finding help or assistance or compassion within their applicants. You know, a lot of people just see the dollar signs and, and jump to it. So that's what we're trying to help with. I know that it's a lot in a, in a nutshell, but yeah. or it's a lot under one roof, I, I suppose. But we we as a business have been strategically partnering up with other firms and other organizations that can help us accomplish some of these goals. So y'all are kind of trying to be proactive and establish a network so that when cannabis is legalized in the state of Texas, business owners that choose to go into this industry kind of have a, a, a network that they can tap of people that are knowledgeable about it and they can just kind of hit the ground running. That's a, yeah, that's a great way to put it. That's, that's how we would be able to service the direct businesses that would be within the industry. And speaking on the investors, we also eventually plan to educate the investors about opportunities within the Texas market, such as, uh, you know, new and innovative products and businesses and uh, emerging services and things of that nature, and hopefully pair the two together in the future so that some of these uh, undernoticed businesses or um, underutilized businesses can have an opportunity to get financed and really make some, some things happen in the space. Yeah, that's great because that's the thing that a lot of people that have knowledge about the cannabis industry. They know how to grow the plants. They know how to to do the hands-on labor, but then the financing end is where they really struggle. Yeah, yeah, right. And and I also I'm in I'm in talks currently in, in negotiations with uh, several organizations, but one in particular actually brought that point up to me <clears throat> two days ago as we were speaking. And it's it's aside from the financing and getting and raising capital, it's. It's how do we put the business plan together? And it's some of those kind of um, processes that new aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, maybe even for the first time that have this background history in cannabis, but may not have like a business background. It's it's some of those processes that they could be, um, you know, in no offense, but ignorant to uh, just because of the lack of experience. So that is something else that we've been trying to potentially formulate in our plan going forward to help those um, new businesses <clears throat> with. Well, that's great. And then the, and then the employment aspect of it is, um, is wonderful as well, because it's, it's difficult to find reliable employees as it is. And then you kind of layer on that, the, the more difficult task of finding qualified employees to work in a cannabis environment. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, you know, I've, <clears throat> with my experience, I have been in the industry for you know almost four years and I've had the privilege of having this outside perspective looking into these industries and these in these um, outside state markets and I've been keeping a close eye on some of their pain points as businesses and some of their issues and problems as a whole as a whole market and I've been trying to formulate a good plan I guess I should say for when the Texas market starts to get a little more traction that's great now there's what 33 pieces of legislation related to cannabis that have been proposed so far for this legislative session uh, the last time I heard it was 30 but yeah you're probably right 33 is, is, sounds about right I haven't heard I haven't I haven't paid attention about a couple of weeks three or four weeks what do you think the odds are of getting some sort of medical marijuana bill passed this legislative session I, I mean I know nobody has a crystal ball but it it kind of feels like the snowball is rolling in that direction yeah I would have to have to agree I would say my best my best opinion on it would be that 
to some degree, we will see the qualifying conditions open up, which hopefully will encourage the state to and the DPS to allow more licenses to um, be attainable. So that would open up more businesses. And I do think that we're going to see that on some level. And hopefully we will, as a state, see decriminalization for small amounts, for personal amounts, hopefully. And I, I, I believe that those two steps will be a really big uh, momentum carrier for us going forward, especially with, and I do believe that the hemp bill that's, I think there's one in place right now in Texas has a really good shot um, and, and it has a lot of support behind it. And so if hemp is legalized in Texas to, to cultivate it, I think that we're also going to see a, a huge surplus of businesses coming in into the space. That'd be a tremendous opportunity for the state. We've, we've really missed out you know, as far as both hemp and cannabis go, we've we've missed out on a lot of opportunities in our state because of prohibition. Yeah, and and misinformation too. You know, it's it's like you know we can't grow hemp. It's it's you know marijuana and 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 all of this different kind of talk. We could have been growing hemp as a state or even as a country this whole time, and and really nothing would have um, nothing would have been a threat or you know. A, overly dangerous about it. Actually, it would have lifted the economy and solved a lot of issues, especially environmental issues that we're facing nowadays. Mm -hmm. and, and and if I will, I'll share this piece of information. There's building with hemp too is has actually been really economically, uh, it makes sense because it's uh, carbon negative. And so in a sense, it, it, it breathes in all the carbon from the air and takes it in and cleans the air. And in Canada, they are giving out what's called green certificates to, to new uh, businesses that are developing buildings that are uh, made with hemp out of hempcrete as well. And uh, hempcrete is just something that you um, mix with lime, water, and the hemp plant. I believe it is the fibers within the hemp stalk that they pull out yeah. and they mix the whole, the whole uh, mixture together. And it's, it's dur more durable than concrete. It's flame retardant. It's insect repellent. I mean, there's so many things that it just makes sense to, to, to build with. Yeah. Insect repellent sounds great in East Texas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> keep the mosquitoes away. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that, you know, a lot of our, our plastics that we, that we make could be made out of hemp and then they're biodegradable. So, I mean, it seems like there's just unlimited possibilities with regards to hemp and cannabis as well, as far as from, you know, medicinal perspectives, but just from a, you know, industrial perspective, I suppose hemp has just got unlimited. Yeah. It's restricted so much. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. And do you think, because probably to the most people, they couldn't look at a hemp plant and a cannabis marijuana plant and tell the difference between the two. Do you think that's why hemp just kind of got dragged along in the prohibition thing? That's a good, I mean, that's a good question. I'm sure that partly has something to do with it. I also think that way back when, when people were establishing the difference between the two or even the similarities between the two, it just all of it was kind of conflated and then transitioned on and nobody made a, a hard, nobody put down their foot and kind of said, Hey, we need to distinguish, distinguish the two. And, and we, we it just all got mixed up and jumbled up, especially when we brought in the terminology, uh, Medicuana with the H from, from, you know, Mexico down South and they brought it up and, and we transitioned the word into the J and it's, it's just all, it's so some, it's, it can be so confusing when you dive into it just because the timeline 
points out some mistakes that people had made in terms of verbiage or something like that. And then we all know, especially with, you know, you know, in terms of the Bible and religion, we all know how the, the phone game can happen and the translation game can happen over years and different languages and stuff. Do you have any resources? Uh, well, first of all, give us the webpage address for the Texas Cannabis Business Alliance. Yes, for sure. So we have a website and you can find us at txcanna.org. O-R-G, and that's just textcana.org. And we have the website. It's going to go over everything that we're looking to accomplish, all the resources that we have available right now. You can find the events page and all of the events that we have planned. Uh, we will be announcing more events. We have one on the 28th coming up. I don't know when this podcast will be out, but we do have one February 28th. And then I will go ahead and, and announce, assuming that this will be at least a couple days before it's released. I will announce that we have an event on March 9th that we will be adding to our uh, repertoire of events, and that will that will feature two attorneys. One, his name is Richard Chang, and he was one of the first cannabis attorneys here in Texas doing work and out there on the front. Okay. And then we have another attorney. His name is James Creedon, and he's actually a speaker at uh, the February 28th event. But uh, James Creedon does patent work and uh, intellectual property and and brand development for uh, cannabis businesses as well in Texas. So that's really exciting. And I'm really looking forward to that event. Yeah. Yes. And that will be a paid event for the listeners, just so they know. We do have free events and paid events. But uh, generally speaking, when we have to bring in some of these uh, professionals and industry uh, pros, it does cost money, especially with the venues that we're trying to provide. So it, it will it, that that event will be in Richardson, Texas, at the Communion Cooperative, and it's a great venue. So I'm very excited for that. Well, that sounds great. Are your events right now? They're mostly in the DFW area, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So since we just kind of launched in January, we're going to stick to the DFW area and reach as far as potentially Fort Worth by june and then i look to plan on the second half of 2019 i've been in, in talks with people outside of the metroplex for a potential collaboration that uh, we can bring texas cannabis business alliance out there and throw more events and have speakers and professionals come out there and help share the experience and uh, educate people well that's great do you have any other resources related to your medical condition where people can read up on the interaction of cannabis and your and colitis i do have a recommendation there is an individual he's a very brave uh, and courageous individual i haven't had the pleasure of meeting him but i have heard about him all throughout the industry uh, he's been doing this for, I believe, probably four or five years um, on the patient advocacy front, but his name is Colton. I'm not sure what his last name is, but his organization is called Col Colton's Crew, and it's C-R-U with an E. Or I'm sorry, Crew, C-R-U-E, I believe that's what it is, and, and the U has two dots above it. But he is, he is obviously a, I think he has Crohn's or colitis, one of the two, but he's a patient of Crohn's or colitis, and he has been advocating for cannabis use to treat the disease for a very long time. And I think that if you do have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's and you are listening to this, definitely try to find his page. I know that it's not that great of a directive, but there is a lot of information on the internet when it comes to autoimmune diseases and cannabis use. I would definitely search Rick Simpson oil and how it is the most beneficial 
way that you can take medicine for um, IBDs or uh, stomach diseases. And so, yeah, that's kind of all that I have on the colitis uh, resources. Okay. Well, we'll do some we'll do some googling and see if we can find the webpage address for Colton's crew, and we'll be able, we'll be sure to post the links to the Cannabis Business Alliance and Colton's crew and anything else that we've discussed in the podcast on our show notes page. Oh, perfect. Yeah, we should have that show notes page at www.cannabishealsme.com slash 14. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, in that case, then allow me to just, after the podcast, allow me to just find those resources for you. I'm, I'm sure it'll take not, not very long on Facebook and, okay. uh, and I'll shoot those over to you and you can have those for your listeners. That's perfect. Thank you, Trey. And uh, thanks again for coming on. We've enjoyed our conversation today and wish you the best of luck with the Cannabis Business Alliance. And and hopefully by the next time we speak, cannabis will be legal here in the state of Texas, medically at the minimum. For sure. Yeah, more developed on the, on that front, I would like to see as well. Yep, absolutely. Well, thanks again, Trey, and have a great rest of your day. All right, Rachel, you too. Take care. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it today, guys. I am so blessed that you joined us today and hope you're enjoying the episodes. And I hope you'll continue to join in and share the podcast with your friends. If you want to be notified the next time we have an episode come out, you should go out to our website and join our email list, www.cannabishealsme.com. You won't have to worry about any Facebook algorithms or Instagram bans. Not that I post anything controversial there, but we'll have direct access to you and you won't have to worry about any social media purges of our page. Thanks again. Talk to you next week. Hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or whatever podcast app you're using. Do you have a suggestion for a guest on Cannabis Heals Me? Send an email to podcast at CannabisHealsMe.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Cannabis Heals Me or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments. 